Good morning, Contrast Church. Trey Gilmore. I'm just grateful to get to be the pastor here. Uh, we're starting a new series that's going to be three weeks long called More Than Sunday. The whole idea is that our church in honoring God and what he calls us to as followers of Jesus is way more than just a Sunday morning, way more than the 9 a.m. and the 1045 service. And so that's why I thought, man, I'm just not going to go to church today just to prove that point. But I'm actually uh, kidding. As you can tell, I'm clearly not in Ohio. Uh, my wife and I are in Oregon as we are not only traveling a little bit, but getting to go to a conference in Portland that we're really excited about, uh, hoping that we can learn and grow and then obviously bring back some of what we've learned to share with our church. So I'm just grateful that you guys are, are there today uh, as we're from afar. But I really just wanted to teach a little bit about the heart of what we're doing uh, for the next three weeks as we do this series. We're just focusing on different areas of the church that are obviously not just showing up on a Sunday morning and consuming. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, we do Sundays and we believe in them. We put a lot of energy in them because they matter. They've mattered for centuries with the Jewish people and with Jesus followers gathering, worshiping, celebrating, learning. It's just a part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. But there's a lot more to that that we as a church want uh, to prove and to show the world around us. And so this week specifically, we're talking about missional living and how missional living is a massive component of what it means to follow Jesus. And uh, I think about just the Old Testament. I think about uh, God's heart for the Israelites when they are reaching the promised land. He creates all these laws that a lot of people uh, even today still like talk about. And some of them seem really weird, like you can't eat bacon or uh, you know you can't you can't harvest this certain type of thing at this certain time. And they feel very just arbitrary. Um, but what's interesting is when you read all these laws, God has so many uh, laws that are written for a people group called sojourners. And sojourners are essentially just nomads. They're wanderers, whether they like murdered someone in another village and they are leaving and trying to find a you know, safe asylum, or they have uh, run out of money or they're bankrupt, or they just decided, you know what, I don't like Comus, Ohio anymore. I'm going to move to the hills of Hawking Hills. That is a sojourner. It's someone whose home is not necessarily where they are at. And God's heart for those people is, if you read the laws and you read the way the Israelites were supposed to love people that were the sojourner, you would just very clearly see that God's heart is for uh, people who are not among us as a community. And so as, as a massive value of our church, we want to be missional. We want to think of ourselves as missionaries. And it's not just language, but it has a deep value in the heart of God for welcoming the lost person. And I know if you're thinking, okay, well, that's the Old Testament, a lot of laws, a lot of things we don't do anymore, right? But then we, we flip to the New Testament and we look at Jesus' heart for mission. And obviously, like, his first preaching is the gospel. It's repent for the kingdom of God is near and he draws upon all these people uh, in this good news and he heals and he casts out demons and he does all these things but he doesn't just keep it to himself. And so in Luke 9 and even Luke 10 he sends out 12 of his disciples, he sends out 70 of his disciples with a missional life. It's just like hey go with nothing else and just welcome yourself into homes if they'll welcome you. If they do, preach the gospel, right, share the good news, heal people, right? Like bring the kingdom to their, those people's lives. So we know that Jesus is, has the same heart um, as we see in the Old Testament where our, our call is to go and to reach people. Now, it's obviously a lot different now. If I'm not telling all of you to just go quit your jobs and find one really comfy outfit uh, and just go minister door to door for the rest of your life. But the principle of that is a really important reality. Because the next, the next uh, passage in Luke 10, after Jesus does all this, is a story called the Good Samaritan. Uh, Jesus tells a story about this man who took this path. He was beat up, left for, for dead. 
and the two most religious people at the time uh, walked by and were too busy, didn't want to become unclean, didn't want to deal with the mess and the muck, and so they just kept on their way, right? They had bigger, better things to do. And I think about that as Christians, how often we have bigger and better things to do, right? And we have to get to this Christian party, but in the midst of going to this Christian party, we forsake literally what it means to be a Christian on the way there. And uh, that is the heart of those two, uh, the priests that walk by. But the third man who does stop is a Samaritan. And there's this cultural hate between Samaritans and Jewish people. Um, but what I, I find most fascinating about that story is not the fact that he just stopped and had a compassion on this man who was in a different um, you know, group of people, but that he, he literally wasted his time, his energy. Uh, he, I mean, he, he took him to an inn, he paid for it. He took the time to go and he was gonna come back after he was working to check on him. I mean, he, he took all of his resources, his time, his talents, his money, and he, he gave it to this man for really no reason. For, he's not gonna get anything in return. And that in the same way is, is we can take that and we can think about, man, how can I leverage my life, my talents, my resources, my money, my time, for people who, who uh, aren't Christians and might give me nothing in return. And it's hard, it's, it's humbling, you don't see a lot of fruit a lot of times. I don't think the Samaritan man got a bunch of thank you notes and they were best friends forever from that, but maybe they were, but he didn't do it because of that or the hope of that. He did it because he had a compassion, he had a heart stirring because uh, of what Jesus is trying to communicate in the gospel, that God is someone who is for the lost and, this, and, and the sojourner and the people that we need to care for. So. As we talk about that and we think about that, I just want to focus on one passage today, just for a few more minutes. It's in Colossians 4. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, your phones. I'm going to read this passage in Colossians 4. And I just want to walk through three components of what I think Colossians 4 is getting at for us as a church to be missional, for you to reflect on, and then for us as a church to actually tangibly practice this as a community and also in the spaces that we find ourselves. Colossians 4. 2 through 6 says, Be devoted to prayer, keeping alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us too, that God may open a door for the message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I, Paul, am in chains. Pray that I may make it known as I should. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders making the most of the opportunities. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt so that you may know how you should answer everyone. Effective missional followers of Jesus live distinctly among a specific culture of people. There's this huge assumption in the passage, Paul isn't saying like you should be missional. He's assuming that that is the reality of your life. If you claim to follow Jesus in the first century and you were Jewish or maybe you were Gentile, which wasn't Jewish, it was an assumption that you shared your life in Jesus with others. You didn't get to do this I want to be a Jesus follower, but I don't really want to do anything about it. It just wasn't really a thing because what you were claiming about Jesus was in direct opposition to Rome and to the world in which they lived in. And so Paul's writing this to the church of Colossae, but he's writing this to believers who are trying to figure out how do I live in this world, right? Because our goal is not, to be missional does not mean to run away, to hide in the woods, which is ironic because I'm in the woods, but uh, to hide in the woods and to just not talk to anyone, right? Or only have Christian friends, right? Because I don't want to be stained by the world. There's this tension that we play with where we have to kind of have both and, right? We have to be able to have good, solid Jesus-following friends that help us, encourage us, hold us accountable. But on the other hand, we have to have people in our lives who we have a deep heart and conviction to know Jesus and maybe more specifically to like take serious steps in walking with Him, right? Because you might have people who kind of play the 
apathetic Jesus card and, and you don't necessarily know how to navigate that, but those people still need um, a deeper gospel realization that you can be a part of. Um, but there's three main components in this passage that I just want us to focus on as we think about it as we wrap up. The first one in the first part of this passage is before we do anything else, because we would assume mis- being missional is an action, it is a verb, it is going and doing something, the first thing we actually do is we pray. That some translations say fervent prayer, or ours says devoted prayer, it's faithful prayer. It's that we think about the lost people in our lives, and we're actually just praying for them. If you've been a part of a core, you know that the O of core is outreach of others. It's praying for lost people in your life, praying for conversations, praying for the spirit and the truth of God to be revealed to them, and for them to, to uh, repent and submit to it, right? We do these things not as just like a habit that we should do as good Christians, but because we really believe that God is the one who is doing the heart changing, right? And he's the one who is convicting and compelling us to be in these spaces and to live missional life. And when I think about the reality of the alertness towards it, which is what Paul is talking, like stay alert, right? Be devoted to prayer, stay alert. The alertness is rooted in what he says is thanksgiving. And so how do we become alert about something with thanksgiving? I think thanksgiving means that we process the gratitude that God has given to us. And we've talked about this before, but we talk about how anything that we do as Christians has to be rooted in a gospel reality in our own hearts, that we remind ourselves of the weight of the gospel, and that causes us to leap into action and to learning and use our head, our heart, and our hands in our lives for Jesus. But alertness in Thanksgiving is unique because, I don't know about you, but like when I want to love somebody, I oftentimes am, am loving them out of this gospel reality. I'm just doing it because I either have to, or it's become this habit, or I feel this pressure, right? This, this um, like maybe even guilt, that you feel like you have to do this. But Paul is first saying, look, if you're not there yet, right, just stop. Prayer and thankfulness and thanksgiving and gratitude of what God has done for you. Because Jesus' weight of what he's done for you is the, is the outpouring of then what you'll do for others and how you'll love others. The Samaritan man stopped for the guy who was beaten up on the side of the road because he had a deep level of compassion and conviction for this man. Because nobody was looking, nobody was watching, but he still has this deep gospel. So that's us. Because we start with a prayer and gratefulness of what God has done in our hearts, the love that he's given us, and the fact that we are literally sojourners and God has loved us deeply and cared for us and been so kind to us. The second one uh, is, is actually about our lifestyle, our paced living, right? He talks about this idea of living in such a way that wisdom comes up, that people ask questions. And I think about in our culture today, right, that doesn't mean that you need to be an expert, that we all have to have PhDs in the Bible. But are we living a life that is wise, that is wise in God's eyes? Do we run at a pace that is the rest of the world runs at? Are we, are we burnt out? Are we anxious? Are we exhausted? Because if we are, we're no different than the world. But if we take serious the pace and the yoke of Jesus, if we live our lives radically different, which is probably slowing down, right? Not having to do everything or be everything or make tons of money, right? If we start to do these things, people will notice. And they're gonna be pretty astounded because they're gonna say, why is so-and-so not just getting obsessed with more money or the next pay, pay raise or a bigger family or a bigger house or a bigger car? And those things, when they see our heart towards the way that we live and love others, is one of the most radical things that people don't have an answer for. Because the only answer is Jesus. Because why would we do these things? Why would we live like this? And that's, that's what seeking wisdom in a paced life looks like. It makes others curious. And this leads to the third and the last part where Paul is assuming that you're going to have conversations. You're going to talk to people about what it means to follow Jesus, why you're doing it, what it means in your life, why it matters. 
And this is, this is like the crux of being missional, is literally just having the conversations. If you were in a group with me my whole life, and you said, I have this person I'm praying for, I have this person I'm praying for, and I've hung out with them, and they've seen my life, and every time they ask a question, I just shut it down because I'm nervous, because I'm fearful, I don't know the right answer, because I don't have this deep seminary degree of, of the Bible and can explain it perfectly. If you go your whole life doing the first two and not actually acting in the third, you're not being faithful to what Paul and Jesus is assuming in our lives is that we have conversations, even if they're not perfect, even if they're messy. And at the end of the day, people want to hear from you. They don't want to hear this like textbook answer that you have memorized from a cheat sheet, right? Like uh, we all know what tracks did in the 90s. They did not work. Like someone would hand you a tip and it was like a million dollar bill. And it was like a million dollars if you follow Jesus because he's true wealth. And then you're like, I hate this. That's not how we want to do it. So you being you is the best thing you can do. You don't need to have anything memorized. You don't need to be a brilliant Bible scholar. Even myself, I find myself talking to neighbors, them asking questions that even I don't know the answers for. And so what do I do? Do I just let fear motivate me? Do I let the devil get a foothold in my ability to be missional, to love people, to have good conversations? So I just want to encourage you, if you're feeling that, you're probably right where you need to be. You're probably right on the precipice of the Spirit drawing you into something that you could have immense kingdom impact for, that He's inviting you into and you get the opportunity to accept that invitation. And so that's the last component. But there's two pieces of that that's really important. This is where we get in a lot of arguments as Christians, other Christians, is grace and truth, right? Sometimes we want to be overly gracious and to the point where we compromise our beliefs, our truth, and our understanding of the Bible and the authority it has in our life, right? We don't ever call anyone out. We're just, we're just grace, 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 no matter what. And then on the other spectrum, we have people who are truth speakers, right? And they just tell it how it is, and people just need to figure it out, or they just need God just needs to convict them. And that's the belief that they have, is that just, I'll just tell them the truth, and then they have to deal with it, and it's on them. And I would argue that this passage is actually putting both of those together. If you're on one end or the other, you're actually being kind of lazy. You're being cheap. Because the tension of both of these put together is exactly what Jesus did. Jesus did upset people. Jesus did speak truth in the people's hearts and lives. But Jesus was also one of the most gracious people we've ever seen on earth. And so you can't have one without the other. You have to have both. And there's nuance and discernment. And there's prayer that has to go into when and how and what this looks like. And everybody's built differently, with different personalities, right? But that's the point. Is there's, no, there's no easy answer because it's a spirit-led and guided thing in our lives. That we have to discern and be prayerful and that's why community matters because sometimes we just want to yell at somebody we're tired of the way they're living and we want to get just be truth speaking and we're giving up we're being cheap we're not fighting in the mess and the tension of how we navigate grace and truth and so that if we sum up this passage just to think about three components of what it means to be missional in cautions for it's prayer it's pace and it's conversation it's having a devoted life of prayer for lost people, for your heart, for a gratitude and reminder of the gospel. It's a pace living and living in such a way that is the kingdom that God wants on earth in your life so others can see it and ask questions. And then third is actually having intentional, grace-filled, truth-filled conversations. So those three, just think about it. Prayer, pace, conversation. Where in my life am I able to engage with that uh, as, a, as a person? And then what, what I want to do is I want to wrap up with reflection questions where you can think about these three. But then we're going to actually hear from some of the ways our church helps you be missional uh, by talking about missional communities and trying to get uh, you guys to think critically about how you can be a part of that. Because at the end of the day, in a perfect world, everyone's missional. Everyone invites people over their house for dinner. Everybody's discipling non-believers. Everybody's doing the hard work and seeing their vocation and their money and their time and their talents as all things to leverage for that. But that's just not the case. 
we're fearful, we're busy, we don't have any money, we don't have any resources, we don't, whatever it is, right? So our church is trying to say, how can we help you guys feel confident about this with MCs? Because MCs, missional communities, are not, they're not like the end all, right? They're a means to the end, which is Jesus and being an encounter with him and in relationship with him. So our MCs are not like the Bible, right? They are, they are places for us as believers to feel confident and to try to dabble in these spaces as a community and with our lost friends and, and, and family and things like that. So we're going to talk about MCs and some stories and how we want you to be a part of that later in the service. But as we, as we transition to reflection uh, time, I have just a few questions I want to read for you. The first one is, am I praying for the lost or opportunities to be around the lost? Am I praying for the lost or opportunities to be around the lost? Number two, am I actually living a life and at a speed which draws attention and fosters wisdom from the Spirit? And number three, am I actually engaging in the conversations I need to have with both truth and grace in a loving way? Am I embodying the spirit of Colossians 4 in my heart? And so ask, the, ask yourself those questions in a time of reflection and formation as we take some space for you to process through this and think about it in your own life and then as a community and a church, we'll do that together after.